Hey everyone, welcome to City Church OTR's Sermons Podcast. Here you will find all of the sermons and teachings that are given at our Sunday services. We also have our original City Church OTR podcast, which has more conversations, interviews, and more interactive content. As always, we would love to meet you. Check out our Instagram to see what we're doing this week and our website, citychurchotr.com, to meet one of our pastors. Enjoy. Thank you all. You got it? Strong man. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to be here. Cincinnati's awesome. Uh, Like he said, we are from Dallas. My wife and I, Christy, stand up and wave, do a twirl. She's my lovely, wonderful other half. We do have five kids. That's not a lie. We're older than we look. Praise God. Um, man, it's awesome to be here, um, and I'm honored just to, yeah, just to be with you this morning. And Chris has shared just the, some of the trials you guys have walked through the last few weeks. And so uh, I wanted to just start off, if you have your, your Bibles, you can go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. We're going to hop into the Word in a minute. Um, but, you know, sometimes um, in life, things happen that we don't really anticipate, and what I love about God and what I love about our faith in Him is that uh, He always provides for us, and, and oftentimes it's not about us figuring out what to do or what happened, it's about really trusting God and learning to relationally depend on Him when we don't have answers, amen? And, and there's a scripture that I just, as we were praying, and I wanted to kind of frame, before I dive into the word, I kind of wanted to frame the word. You know, often Jesus would say, hey, I'm telling you these things because, and he would help you understand the, the outcome of what he was preaching. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so I kind of want to do that this morning. I really feel um, in Ephesians 5, it talks about Jesus washes us with the water of the word. And when I went into your bathroom here in this theater, there was a, a phrase in the sink that I felt like was prophetic for this community. I prayed it over Chris and Catherine. It says, a little water will clear away this deed. And it was where you wash your hands. And I just want to tell City Church OTR from my heart, I believe that God is saying, a little water will wash away this deed. Um, and that he's faithful, he's merciful, and that there is a cleansing power in God's word to wash our souls and our minds and our spirits just from the feeling of pain, of hurt, uh, and, and, and just all the things that swirl around uh, what's happened in the last few weeks. And so I just wanted to share that with you from my heart. We're praying for you. We're standing with you. We love you. Uh, I love the local church. Uh, I teach in a, I'm a pastor in a local church, and I just... Um, my heart in our ministry really is to serve and strengthen uh, the church of God. I believe in all kinds of churches, every denomination. I think they're amazing. They have little nuances of Jesus. If you look hard enough, uh, you can see the beauty of Jesus in just about any and every denomination. Amen? Um, and so uh, I want to hop in here. Uh, as Chris shared, he said, hey, I'm preaching a series on crazy faith, and you really can take that anywhere. Um, and so, uh, if you want to just read with me, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 13, and I'm going to read a few scriptures and then comment, uh, and then we'll just, we'll kind of go from there. And so, uh, before we read, though, put your hand on your heart. Father, we look to you this morning, uh. We look to your son, Jesus, by your spirit, and we thank you that you're the one who washes us by the water of your word. 
Lord, we don't really often need to figure out how water cleanses us and how it, you know, the molecules interact with the dirt. Lord, we just know sometimes we get dirty and we need a bath. Lord, we get we get wounded and we need to be cleansed. And so, Father, we uh, come to your word with with reverence, with humility, with a sense of awe that you would entrust to us your very heart, because out of the overflow of your heart, you spoke these words to us. And I ask, Spirit of the living God, would you animate uh, this letter, these words upon these page, into our hearts, and would you convert them uh, into life, into transformation, into healing, into comfort, into strength, Lord. Would you take these words and you, would you wash us and cleanse us and renew our minds and you, would you allow us to see you rightly this morning, maybe like we've never seen you rightly before. And Spirit of God, would you, through your words and through a revelation of Jesus, would you allow us to see ourselves rightly and one another rightly, God? We just confess we need your perspective in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, this is amazing. Um, I love the word of God, and so we're just going to hop in here. Uh, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, just a little context. There was a, a similar incident in this church. Amen. There's nothing new under the sun. We're in good company. Uh, this, this word, this Bible, this love letter from God, it contains everything. There's nothing absolutely new under the sun. I know a lot of us think that what's happening in our culture is unprecedented. It is not. Sin has been at work since the beginning of time, and this is not new, and, and there is a faith and a grace available to the people of God that will distinguish us from every other people on the planet. Why? Because we have a relationship with the living God, and faith is our connect point to that God. You cannot know God apart from faith. You cannot please God apart from faith. You cannot experience God apart from faith. And faith is simply this. When you hear about Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and why he did it, your faith says, yeah, I believe that, I want that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually live as though that's true. And, and, so, and so for us uh, this morning, I believe God wants to impart and, and stir up and strengthen our faith. Um, and so I want to, um, as we dive in here, there's about, there's about four things I want to highlight um, that I believe will, will really mark a crazy faith. And this is very convicting. Some of this stuff is very challenging. A lot of these things that we may talk today, you may have to meditate on for some time. Um, and so let's read together. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 13 says this. Paul says, for if we are beside ourselves... It is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. Verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Wow. So this is amazing. If you've ever been, uh, I grew up in the Bible church, if you guys know that, and I'm from Dallas, Texas, so we are in the buckle of the Bible belt. 
Um, and the Bible church is really uh, amazing. They love the Word of God. They love the Bible. But I was never really taught about the Holy Spirit. And so when we gathered in church, um, I, I just never heard about it. I didn't, never heard of the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not uh, a denomination. Amen. There's no denomination that has the corner. He's God. And so um, he's amazing, and he's a person of God with us on the earth. Jesus is no longer actually presently with us. He's in heaven, and we have the Holy Spirit. He's so amazing that Jesus himself said, hey, guys, I know it's been awesome with me, but it's better if I go away because I'm going to send you another. And so the Holy Spirit is God. He, he is Lord. And sometimes when the Holy Spirit uh, encounters his people, things look weird. They look crazy. Amen? We don't have to apologize, apologize for God. The very first church meeting in Acts chapter 2, bystanders thought they were intoxicated. That's weird. Now, I'm not all for trying to manufacture things in the Bible, but when God comes, weird things can happen. And so I believe there's, Paul is saying, he's saying, listen, there's times where, where I'm, I, I actually am so overcome by the Spirit, it looks like I'm out of my mind, but that's not for you. If I come into a meeting and I give myself over to God and I start manifesting all these things, he said, that's not going to help you, right? If I stand here and, and just am encountering the love of God and I'm just... You know, whatever, that may or may not help you today. But if I come and I'm in my right mind, he says, if I'm in my, my right mind, if I get it together for a moment, because <laughs> Paul was in love with God, and I'm in love with God. I, I don't apologize for my passion. I don't apologize for my love for him. I genuinely love Jesus. He's changed my life. He's transformed me. I was addicted to lust and pornography. I was just a good Christian kid, but plagued with guilt, shame, condemnation, trying to do the right thing, and Jesus was not real in my life. He just wasn't real. I wanted, I wanted to know him. I wanted to have a relationship with him, but it was like my faith was black and white. There was no living color. And in 2006, I had an encounter. I met the man through the Holy Spirit, and his power, and his life, and his love consumed me, and he took a shy, introverted kid who was pursuing professional soccer, and he just put himself inside of me in a way that, and he transformed me into a gospel-preaching, Jesus-loving man, and I don't apologize for that, because he's amazing, and I love God, and I want people to know him more intimately. And so Paul, I believe, was like that. He never, he didn't come in and tiptoe around. He, he was in love with God, and he, would, he was passionately uh, devoted to his mission. And so here he's talking about this, and, and he says this crazy phrase in verse 14. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. Controls us. How many of you would like to be controlled by the love of God? Meaning, meaning, Everything, now, now I, can, some of you got triggered when I said the word control. <laughs> it's an oxymoron. See, the love of God doesn't control you from the outside. It's not man's control. See, man tries to control through, through domination, through intimidation, through, through, an, through an unholy authority. That's how man tries to control. It's really witchcraft. But God's control comes from within. It comes from the love of God that he puts in us. And he so possesses us with love and humility that you, you have this overwhelming desire, not out of compulsion, not because you have to, but you have this delight and desire and love in your heart to, to live for him and to make him known. And, and this, is, this is really what I believe is, is all of our inheritance as the people of God. If you want to actually have love, like you can hear Kara talk and go, man, 
it feels super far away to love people that I've never met in a foreign country. Like, I have a hard time loving my wife sometimes. Come on, let's be real. You know, you're like, where's the coffee this morning? <laughs> That's not real. I just made that example up. Sometimes we do that for illustration's sake. And so, and so I, want you, I want us to see this. The love of Christ controls us because, and so Paul, I believe, gives us a secret to the love of God controlling us. He says, we have concluded this. Now, this is, the, this is the, the point of the message this morning. I believe a crazy faith makes conclusions. Based on who Jesus is and what he's done, faith that is wild, it makes conclusions. It's not, it's not up in the air. Faith isn't like, well, maybe. Faith concludes things. See, belief, belief is different than faith. Belief is like, I believe that's possible. Let me illustrate it. Seat 104 right there. I believe seat 104 can hold up my weight. Oh, I believe it with all my heart. Chris, I believe it. Hey, guys, I believe it. Can I show you what faith looks like? Oh. Wow. See, we can believe all we want that seat 104 will hold us up. But faith takes action. It makes a conclusion, and from that conclusion, we take action. See, faith without conclusion, without action, is dead. And there's, there's four conclusions, I believe, in these next few, few verses that I believe if we can allow ourselves in time by the Holy Spirit, again, you don't make these conclusions on your own. This isn't something like, all right, I'm just going to pull up my bootstraps and... Make a conclusion, no, the conclusions come from and through a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. That's where our conclusions, our confidence, my conclusions are not that I'm so strong and I'm so, I'm so great, but my confidence and boldness and the conclusions that I've made in my life that have produced power in life, they've come through the revelation in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we make those conclusions, something happens that I want to explain. That conclusion is like a pipeline that opens you up to the grace of God and the spirit of God and the love of God and all the things you couldn't do before. Guess what happens? He begins to empower you to love and to give and to walk in purity and integrity and righteousness in ways that we have not known previously. But they come through these conclusions. And this is... There's going to be four conclusions, hopefully, Lord willing, help me, Jesus. I have no idea what time it is. Chris, you can just come and tackle me if I need to stop. This is the conclusion, number one. He says, one has died for all, therefore all have died. One we have concluded this. Love has filled my heart because I've made the conclusion that one, Jesus died for all. And because he died for all, those who have put their faith in him, those who have been crucified and buried with him by faith, that means that they have died also. So not only did he conclude that Christ had died, but he included believers in his death. This is the conclusion. Read it again. It's in your Bible. We have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. 
So there's a secret and a key to walking in love and crazy faith. It's this. It's that, wow, Jesus' death wasn't just for me. It was as me. And he helps us understand this and put handles on this because some of you are like, well, what does that mean? That seems super random and weird and weird. That, that's weird. Come on, if you can't get real with God, I grew up in the church, y'all. I thought, you, I thought seriousness was a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> I, I looked all my Bible. It's not in there. Seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. And you can get real with God. You can read this. I've told God, man, I... God has taught me more by me reading something and go, that doesn't make any sense, God. He's taught me more through just an authentic approach to my word and said, God, that is ridiculous. I have no idea what that means. And in that place, in that place, God begins to speak to me and father me. And by his spirit, he begins to explain it. And well, why don't you keep reading? Why don't you read it again? And he's so patient with us. And so I want to encourage you, if it doesn't make sense, just say so in your heart. God, that makes no sense. <laughs> All right, stay with me. So look, he helps us explain it. Verse 15, and Jesus died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so conclusion number one is that we collectively as a people have died with Christ which means when you come to the faith of Christianity, what you're doing is you're saying, God, all of my desires, all of the things that I wanted to live for me, like what Chris said, like you were in that summer and you're like, man, I'm living for me, but God, I want this to be fun, and God is awesome, he makes it fun. <laughs> but he's, but, but we, we're saying, God, I'm allowing my desires to be submitted to yours. I don't want to live for me. The definition of sin, the definition of sin in our hearts is living for me. God, I'm going to live for me. Everything I do is for me. That's the very definition of sin in our hearts. And the beauty of the gospel is that he takes our sin, our selfishness, and he pins it to the cross and buries it in a grave. And when we come up with him in newness of life, we get to say, God, I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you. And to be honest, that's not something that's like only spiritual people graduate into. It starts as a little prayer, God, I feel like 98.9% .9 of my life is for me, but I want, I want to give it to you all. Lord, I don't even know what all looks like, but, I, but the best I know how, I surrender and I give you my all. And I want to make this conclusion, Lord, that I have died to living for me and I now get to live for you. And it starts that way and you can pray that. So that's conclusion number one, one died for all. Therefore, all die. Conclusion number two, let's keep reading in verse 16. From now on, every time I read that now, you know, the greatest showman, from now on. I wish I could sing like that because I would sing that song. <clears throat> from now on. This is an amazing three words, from now on, meaning he's saying, because of this conclusion, I've crossed a line and there's a from now on moment. I can't live the same, look the same. Because of this one died for all, all died, there's a from now on. Things have changed now. There's no looking back. And this from now on is awesome. He says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Wow. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, 
We regard him thus no longer. What's he saying? He's saying we just thought he was this Jewish carpenter. We thought he was born of Mary. We, we viewed him according to the flesh, like of his lineage. But now we see he's so much more than that. He's the son of God. He's the eternal one. That's what he's saying. Like they knew Jesus according to the flesh. How many of you know the disciples were tempted to think Jesus was just a man? See, we, we have the privilege of him not being here, and we're like, oh, yeah, he was God. But he was in the flesh before them. They had to believe he was God. And they had the stumbling block of his flesh going, is this God? Can God really be in the flesh? You think about that. That's a hard thing to acknowledge. Can God really exist as a man? They had to wrestle with that. Verse 17, this is probably on some of your coffee cups or your Bibles. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, how many of you love that for you? You love that for you, right? You're like, I love being a new creation. Come on, if you're thankful for being a new creation, raise your hand. All right. Now, biblically, this is not talking about you. This is talking about your neighbor. <laughs> Come on, look what he says. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. He's, he's teaching us now, conclusion number two, is we, we no longer have permission because Christ died for all, therefore all died. I don't have permission to view my wife or my friends or my brothers according to the flesh. This is hard. This is hard because what happens when your friend or your wife or your brother, they sin against you? We're talking about crazy faith. Are we sure we want crazy faith? We may need to check it because this is hard. Crazy faith says, wow, they sinned against me. They acted out against me in their flesh. Someone sinned in our midst in their flesh. And the temptation is to look at the flesh and go, man, what am I going to do with that? But here, the invitation, because one died for all, therefore all died, the precious blood of Jesus, he's saying, no, I want you to have permission to look at one another according to who they are in Christ. Stop being, stop stumbling over who they're not and celebrate who they are. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can give you a lens to see someone when they're sinning and, and, and they're in a place of their flesh and go, wow, you were made for so much more than that. And to be honest, deep down, I think this gives us a hint into why Jesus died for us in the first place because we were in full rebellion, full sin, full hatred of God, and he hung on that cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And I believe he saw not what we were but what we would become when we surrendered to him. He saw who we are and he loved us. He didn't love us for what we were doing. He didn't love sin. He didn't love the rebellion, but he loved us in our sin, in our rebellion. Why? Because he saw who we were always made to be. And he never got confused about the image of God that we were all created in. No matter how far depraved or you know, wicked someone wanders off into sin, they were created in the image of God. And Jesus died a brutal death to demonstrate his love. And I believe this crazy faith is an invitation to begin to look at one another in the same way God looks at us. Even when we're stumbling, we're falling, we're saying, hey, I love you. You're gonna make it. I'm not gonna pull back from you just because you're having a rough day and you're in the flesh. I'm not gonna regard you according to the flesh. Amen? This thing I'm saying is hard. 
and it feels like you're dying when you do this because your flesh wants to hold grudges. Your flesh wants to stay hurt. Your flesh wants to distance yourself and go, man, they need to prove themselves until they're not going to do that again. I know. I know. But anyone in a covenant relationship knows that what I'm saying is the way to life. You have to forgive. Y'all okay? You sure? All right. We got a couple more and then we'll close. I'm hurrying, I promise. Verse 18, all this is from God. Thank you, Lord. This isn't from man. You can't do this on your own. This is not a yoke. This is not a pressure. Oh, my gosh, this guy said I got to view people like Jesus. I can't do that. No, 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 you can't do that. It's from God. Oh, Lord, I just need you. I need your help to see them. Lord, I'm so mad at them. This, you want to know how I walk this out? We've had this. I've been married with my kids. We've had friends. There's been betrayal. There's been things in my life where you're tempted to go, man, I want to treat them a certain way. And you just go to God and you say, God, I'm in so much pain right now. I can't. God, I, I can't see them rightly. All I can see is what they did to me really hurt. But, but if you'll help me see them rightly and how to respond in this moment, I want to do that because I concluded a long time ago that you died for all and therefore all died and I don't want to regard people according to the flesh anymore. And you just pray that simple little prayer and you'd be amazed at just that prayer and walking in the light. You don't have to have figured it out. You can just say, God, I can't do this. I need your help. It's from God. Verse 18. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself. This is a crazy phrase. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. The third conclusion we really are invited to make through Jesus is that not only did he die for us, he died as us. He invites us to look at others the way he sees them, but he also has drafted us all into ministry. Every born-again believer, no matter whether you're called to missions or a pastor or wherever you're at, if you follow Jesus, a crazy faith means you have a ministry. And the essence of this ministry is that you get to walk around because you've been so forgiven of all the mercy of God and the grace of God in your life. Did you know that? If you're here tonight and you're in Christ this morning, if you're here, you've been forgiven of your sins. They're washed as white as snow. There's no record in heaven. He's separated from as far as the east is from the west. You are as clean today as Jesus himself. And, and the ministry that we receive is literally that. We're not counting men's trespasses against them. This is our ministry as the church. And again, I, I purposely am reading from the scriptures so that you can go back and read this and allow this to fill your heart. But every single one of us has a ministry. It's simple. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. It's so hard. Come on. It's so hard. And 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 the the difficulty comes because we're the temptation is to live according to the flesh. You see all of that written here. We were like, "Well, but they did this. But I did this." And the real power and the excitement comes when you look at Jesus and what he did. What sin did he not cover? Is there a sin bigger 
than the blood of Jesus? Are there certain sins that are just, man, that's just too big for the blood of God. That's too big for the Son of God. Can you imagine anything you've ever done, anything that's ever been done that's, that's, more, that's more powerful and, and weightier than God himself dying in love for humanity? We don't want to be in a position of exalting our sin over the love of God, do we? And so here's our invitation. We've received this ministry, and it really is simple, and, and I'll just give you this one little thing. If there's people that you have yet to forgive, the simplest way to begin to walk in forgiveness is to remember and to really allow God's forgiveness of you to fill your heart. Remember how much he's forgiven you. Remember that you're clean. He's not holding grudges against you. God doesn't do that. He can't do that. He shed his blood for you, and he paid for it all. And he wants you to live free. He wants your heart to be filled with peace with him, that when you come to him in prayer and you come to him in worship, that you always know without a shadow of doubt, I'm right with God because of his blood. The last few verses here, and we'll, we'll close. The band can come up if they'd like, actually. Yeah. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Verse 21. This is the last and maybe the hardest of all the conclusions. Read it carefully with me. For our sake, wow. He was thinking about us. He made him, Jesus, to be sin. Who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him we might become the righteousness of God. Not in him we might be seen from the outside as righteous, but in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, when Jesus became sin, it looked like him in his flesh on a cross dying. That sin was like put on him, right? Like he didn't become sin from afar. He didn't become sin like out there and like, all right, I'm going to become sin and sin's going to be there and I'm going to be here. No, he took it on himself and then he invites us into himself and he says, hey, you can actually put all of your sin in me. And the reason I did this was so that you, City Church, OTR, could become the righteousness of God as a gift. But Peter, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know my past. It's a gift. And there's a conclusion. That conclusion comes through one died for all. Therefore, all died. And so if you could just stand to your feet, I want to just close in prayer. <clears throat> Pastor Chris and I and maybe some others will be in the back if you need prayer, but um, I know that was a lot. You can go back to the text. You can just pray into it. But I just want you to put your hand on your heart for a minute. And I want you to begin to examine. With your imagination, I want you to begin to see that, that one died for all and all died.
And if you've never actually looked at the cross and seen your sin there, every lustful desire, every every part of your heart that was prone to wander from God, every rebellious inclination, every perversion in the mind, every selfish thought, every impure motive, I want you to see it just there on that cross with Jesus, that he didn't just die for you, he died as you. And so Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, would you help us, Lord? Would you author faith this morning? And would you perfect the faith of others to actually believe that we've died with you? And if we've died with you, we know that we'll be resurrected with you in newness of life. And so, Spirit of God, would you, as we behold your Son, through song and through prayer, as we behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, would you just allow a a fresh grace to fall on this house? Everyone in this church this morning, would there be just a a deposit of your grace and your spirit that would testify and bear witness that our sins have been washed away. And not only what we've done has been cleansed, but the, the desire to do it has been washed away, and we have become the righteousness of God. If you begin to believe that, one of the things, one of the ways you can sit in the chair, so to speak, is you can begin to confess it. Lord, thank you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. It's a wonderful confession. It feels funny at first. It feels like, man, I can't say that. But I just encourage you. It's a conclusion you're making. God, I thank you. I've become the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'm no longer going to regard myself according to the flesh or my neighbor. One died for all, therefore all died. Help us, Lord.